Here at Crossroads Church, we believe that Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened to us, and we want others to know him as we do. You can visit us Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at 500 South Interstate 35 in Belton, Texas. For the most updated information here at Crossroads Church, visit us at crcbelton.com and like us at facebook.com slash crcbelton. You are now about to listen to our Sunday podcast. We hope to see you this Sunday at 1030. Be blessed. I'm going to dismiss our kids at this time. Uh, Our leaders are in the back ready to receive you. Give our kids a big hand. What about our active duty and uh, our non-active duty? No more those that have served. We live in a great country. Maybe instead of amen, let's say hua. We live in a great country. There we go. I like that. Let's start that podcast again so that we can get that on the podcast, huh? <laughs> we live in a great country? There we go. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Judges, chapter 3. If you have your smartphones or dumb phones, it doesn't matter which kind of phone you have. You can go to the Bible app and open that as well and uh, have all of the information there for you today. A couple of things as we're getting started and as we're, as we're rolling through this, we're starting a new series of the book of Judges. By the way, this this awesome jacket that I'm wearing today, I don't know if my dad recognizes this or not. I found it in your closet, <laughs> and I put it on. No joke, it's like, like probably from 30 years ago. Yeah, it's vintage, but it fits good and feels good and is good. And so, at any rate, uh, completed everything today. <laughs> so I want to thank him for that, for the wardrobe change. Judges chapter 3. As you're turning there, if you haven't already silenced your phones, please do so. God, in fact, does want to speak to you today, but I promise you he's not going to call you, he's not going to text you, and he's not going to email you. Amen? And uh, so he will speak to your heart, but he's not going to do it through your phone today. And so if you haven't silenced those, one of the things that I want to ask you to do is if you love Crossroads Church, um, you certainly have permission to do it now or certainly do it later. But if you would go onto our Facebook page and rate us, give us five stars and tell us how awesome we are here. Don't say anything about me, but say everything about the church, seriously. And uh, we want to just share uh, the good news of what God is doing here. And uh, we're right up almost to 1,000 likes. I really think today we can push over that easily. So if you haven't liked our page, do so. Uh, if you have a student, a teenager, the 212 page, if you have someone in kids ministry in Route 35, that page, the Route 35 page. I mean, we have a, a Facebook page for all of our ministries, really. And so be sure to like those. That way it's an easy way for you to stay in touch with what God is doing here, what the things that we're doing, things that we're planning, and things that are coming in the future and all that good stuff. So, man, if you could do that for me, like, right now, that would be great if you don't mind. Or if you want to do it later, just set yourself an awesome reminder that says, hey, don't forget to go like the Crossroads page. So, at any rate, enough of that. Judges chapter 3, and we're going to start. We have a lot of scripture to cover today. So just kind of stay in touch with me, stay with me, because I don't know that we're going to necessarily read every single verse, uh, but probably just pull out the main things that I want us to uncover today. Judges chapter 3, we're starting in verse 12, reading out of the Living Bible version, and the Word of God reads, beginning in verse 12, The people of Israel turned once again to their sinful ways. 
So God helped King Eglon of Moab to conquer part of Israel at that time. Allied with him were the armies of the Ammonites and the Amalekites, and these forces defeated the Israelis and took possession of Jericho, often called the city of palm trees. And for the next 18 years, everyone say 18 years. For the next 18 years, the people of Israel were required to pay crushing taxes to this king, this king named Eglon. Uh, but when they cried to the Lord, he sent them a savior, and his name was Ehud. Everyone say Ehud. And he was a Benjamite who is left-handed. Everyone say left-handed. It's important. He was a southpaw, and Ehud was the man chosen by the rest of Israel to carry the annual tax to the Moabite capital. And so before he went on his journey, he made himself a double-edged sword, a dagger, 18 inches long, and he hid it in his clothing strapped against his right thigh because he was left-handed. He would draw it from that way. After delivering the money to King Eglon, who was, by the way, very fat. In fact, he was so fat, he showed up on the radar. He was so fat. He could kickstart a 747. He was so fat, Goodyear wanted to fly him over the Super Bowl. All right. No fat joke. And the Bible says that he was a very fat man, and he started home again. But outside the city, Ehud returns. He sends his friends along the way, and he goes back to this king. He says, I have a word for you. And the king says, all right, come up to my changers. And, and in verse 20, Ehud tells this king Eglon, he says, hey, it's a message from God. And the Bible tells us that that Eglon stands up off his throne and approaches Ehud. And in verse 21, it says that uh, when when he stood up, when the king stood up, that Ehud with his left hand reached to his right thigh and pulled out this dagger and he stuck it uh, inside this king's belly. Verse 22 says that even the handle of his dagger disappeared beneath the flesh. Somebody said that was, that was a big guy. And the fat closed over it. Isn't the Bible good? There's some good stories in the Bible, amen? I mean, Hollywood can't even make this up. And so, if you're imagine, if you're holding this dagger, the fat closed around his hand, too. It had to, at any rate. So, just to give you a picture of that. And let's go eat some hamburgers and hot dogs in America's day. <laughs> and uh, he, fat closed over it, and... His guts pull out. He left the dagger there. He shut the doors behind him and ran on. And I'll just finish it up for you real quick as we get through kind of verses 28. Basically, he runs out. He closes the doors behind him, runs out. His guys, his servants are like, he's probably in the bathroom is what the Bible says. So they leave him alone. But eventually they go in there and they find this evil king dead. And we're not done. That's one hero. Hero number two. Uh, so verse, let's, uh, tell you what, let's do this, let's go to verse 30. So Moab was conquer, conquered by Israel that day, and the land was at peace for the next 80 years. Everyone say 80 years. The next judge after Ehud was Shamgar. Everyone say Shamgar. And he once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad, thereby saving Israel from disaster. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for today and this opportunity to be in your house to read your word, to honor you, to glorify you. We've done a lot today. We sing some amazing songs that have been about you. They've not been about us. And we've done some things to honor this country in which we live because we believe that you gave it to us to be good stewards over. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we've maybe been a bad steward with the country that you've given us. 
Help us to be better stewards over the things that you leave in charge to us, our freedom, these things that we hold so dear. I pray over every person here today. Lord, as Hebrews 4.12 declares that your word would be as a double-edged sword, piercing the innermost parts of us, rightly dividing the word of truth today. And so we thank you for that. We give you all the praise and glory. And God's people said, amen. So we give God a praise today in this house. The book of Judges is a very interesting book of the Bible. It's filled with all kinds of stories like this. I encourage you, first of all, if you've never read the book of Judges before, like if this is your first time journeying into this book, I'm telling you, there's stories like this all through the Bible. Uh, There's not just stories of men who are heroes. There are stories of women who are heroes. Amen. So there was girl power like a long time ago before it was popular today. Right. I mean, it was it was girl power like Deborah was one of the judges that God used to rule over. So it's weird because we have this book of the Bible called Judges. But God has this thing that he used Jesus to talk about. He says, if you judge your brother, the same measure which you judge someone will be judged back to you. But that's not necessarily the kind of judge that what how God is using the word judge. Actually, the word judge literally more more literally can be translated leader. Honestly, in Hebrew is what is probably better translated is leader more so than the word judge. And so if you think about that, God not just used judges, but he used leaders. Everyone say leader. Look at your neighbor and say be a leader. I would make in the case the argument today that we're all leading someone. We are husbands. If you are married, you're leading your wives. Dads, if you're married and you have kids and you're leading your families, if you're a single parent in here today, you're leading your kids. If you're single in here today and and it's just you, trust me, there's someone in your circle who's probably looking at you and following you in some kind of form, fashion or the other. Having an older brother gave me an out in life. My older brother's over here. Anybody, you're the oldest in here. Raise your hand. Wave it like you just don't care in the air. Okay. I'm willing to bet that you were the blame for a lot of stuff that your brothers and sisters probably did. If that's true, just say amen. Uh-huh. I, I feel the bitterness, the root of bitterness <laughs> coming out. <laughs> and so being the baby in the family, there was a period. <laughs> all the babies said amen. <laughs> all the big babies, right? <laughs> They're stopped, though. Eventually, my parents got smart enough where they figured out I was the problem, really. But but there for a while, I could blame John for everything. I got a lot of dumpster fire somewhere. I was like, John did it. John made me do it. But the truth is, and I still do today, uh, he's he'll never tell you this, uh, but he's a great leader where he works uh, in his company that he works for. He travels every week to Florida. Uh, he's rarely home and provides for his family so well. So I want to brag on him a little bit. He's, he's really a leader. He's got great leadership skills, and, and uh, you just see him here worshiping, and you maybe not, not know necessarily what he does, but leads a lot of employees. There's a huge territory that he has to cover, more than just Florida. But his office is in Florida. He lives in Salado, but his office is in Florida. Uh, don't feel too bad for him, though. It's in Miami. So, like, just saying. <laughs> It's not like he's going to Fargo, North North Dakota or something, right? <laughs> uh, but he's a leader. And I can remember as a kid, and even now, so as a pastor, I look up to him in his in leadership skills and how he leads his family. But as a kid, I looked up to him. I don't know if he remembers this story or not, but uh, it used to be 
this generation this is going to go over your head so everybody like you know 40 and under or wherever you are this you know you're going to understand this uh but we used to have boom boxes right you remember the boom boxes they were awesome man the speakers were like this big on them and you had this cassette tape right actually we had eight track too um i can remember we had a car that had an eight track player but at any rate well but he had a cassette player and I remember one time he figured out how to wire uh, his boombox to his TV so the sound from the TV came out of his boombox. And I'm not joking, like at 12 years old, 11 years old, whatever we were, I thought this was the greatest thing to slice bread. I mean, it changed my life. And I was just in awe and I was mesmerized by like, how did you do that? Magic. Come work your magic in my room on my boombox. I looked up to him. I still look up to him. Leadership. We're all leading somehow. So more than just judges, there's this idea that is honestly throughout the Bible, this idea of leadership. And I might also make the case, the argument today that we're lacking leadership in a lot of places in our world. Right. We just are. When there's a deficit of strong leadership, of godly leadership, you see the fruit of that. You see the result of that. When you look at a home or you look at a situation or a certain place and you see strong leadership, strong conviction, godly wisdom, you see the fruit of that as well. The Bible would say it like this way in Proverbs 31, that he says that a, that a woman, Proverbs 31 woman, that her children will be a blessing unto her and they call her blessed. You see them honor her. Children are, when they're strong families and there's strong leadership in the home when the dad leads as he's supposed to biblically and then when the woman comes along because she's a rib and protects her husband and shields the, the innermost parts of him and protects her husband in that way and as a help meet unto him when you see the hierarchy of that God has placed in the home and you when you see it working out you look at it and you say Man, that's a beautiful thing leadership everyone say leadership it's not just a ship it's something that we need to do leadership so judges really is about leadership and so what we need to understand is is we, we've come out of this part where joshua has died and we've got genesis and we've got exodus and we've got leviticus and we've got numbers and we've got deuteronomy and we have god bringing his people out of sl slavery and establishing his covenant with them through through abraham and his descendants and isaac and jacob and eventually joshua and we have this period where joshua dies and caleb his son rises up and caleb is passing away as we get here into the book of judges and there's this period where god says i'm I'm going to use certain people to help me rule over my land, to rule over Israel. How many are familiar, raise your hand, because I'm not for sure who's kind of been in church before, but how many in here, you're familiar with the story of Moses and them coming out of Egypt? Just seriously, raise your hand if you're familiar with that. All right. Certainly the majority of us, that's good. Because God promised to them, when I pull you out of slavery, when I give you this idea of freedom, I'm going to take you to the promised land. I'm going to take you to places. You're going to have houses you didn't have to build. You're going to have vineyards that are so huge, grapes that are so big. And you're going to have all this stuff that you didn't have to work for, and I'm going to give it to you. And so for 40 years, Moses and that generation, they wandered the desert. And then we had Joshua come along and tried to lead them into the promised land. They kind of made it there somehow, some way. Some of them only by the skin of their teeth. Some of them actually didn't even make it when you read about Joshua. And then here we're in the book of Judges. And by this time, 
God's people should have been in the promised land, should have been settled and rooted there and, and having children there and raising houses there. You know, for those that, if, if Central Texas is your area, you come here and you buy a house or whatever and you settle down and you get a job and your kids go to school and what you and I say, like, we put down roots. Or if you're really from the South, you put down ruts. Some of you get that later. Not just put down roots, but we put down ruts. <laughs> and so they should have been putting down roots about this time, but they weren't. You read Judges chapter 1, Judges chapter 2, and the early part of Judges chapter 3. What you find, may I dare say, that I think almost is a mirror of kind of what we're seeing right now happen in America. That the children of Israel had forgotten their God. They had forgotten their ways. And so God told them, he says, when I give you this land, you're to drive them from your land. You're not to, your daughters are not to marry their sons. Their sons are not to marry your daughters. God made it very plain. Like he left no gray area. He's, he left it very specifically. This is what you're supposed to do. Guess what? When they got there, the opposite happened. Their daughters started marrying their sons. And their sons started marrying their daughters. And what happened, Crossroads family, is eventually that these gods became their gods. And, and, and sin has that way of working its way into our lives, like little by little, like just in little ways we would never think that are, are matter much, but before we know it, the, the, the gods of this world become the gods of the church. Amen? You don't have to shout me down because I know it's true. And when it gets silent, I know I really kind of hit a nerve. So thank God for that. If we're not careful, the gods of this world become the gods of this church. And we begin to idolize the very things the world idolizes. The pride of life. And look what I've done. Look what I've created. Look how good I am. And, you know, look at all the things that I can do. Look how strong I am. Look how fast I am. Look, look at all the things that I can do. The pride of life seeps in and it grabs our heart and it deceives us. And we search for wealth. And we try to build our kingdom and so on and so on and so on. And that we reach for all these things that Jehovah, our God, never said reach for. He says, I'm going to give you something so amazing, but I'm going to ask something in return. And I'm going to ask that I be your God and not, not other idols be your God. Look at your neighbor and say, God is your God. And so we have these judges come along. And if I don't know if you caught it, but in the first part, as we're reading here in Judges chapter 3, of verse 12, the Bible says that God gave this bad king, this evil king power to punish them for their sins. God put him up. God lifts him up, and he brings him down. It is God that does that. You realize that, amen? He sets him in place and pulls him down. And he put King Eglon there because they had done what he had asked them not to do. Like this idea of reaping and sowing is not just a New Testament thing. He says, a man will reap what he sows. God will not be mocked. What a man sows, he will reap. This is not a New Testament thing. It's also an Old Testament idea, right? You still with me today, Crossroads family? And so God begins to use these leaders, these judges, to bring leadership to Israel because they didn't have a king. King David was not, was not here yet. Sam, uh, Saul, King Saul was not here yet. He comes in at the end of the book. But, but David was not the king yet as he was called to be. So these judges, they have these leadership, these leaders. So King Eglon, this big old fat king. Somebody say he was a fat king. This big old fat king. 
is eating all of their stuff. And he's ruling over their land, and he's charging them these hard taxes that they can barely pay. And so God uses this left-handed guy. If you're a southpaw in here, if you're left-handed, that doesn't mean that you're a bad person or you're weird or you're evil. It's just that in those days, um, that left-handedness, being a southpaw, if you will, was an uncommon thing. In fact, I know that uh, my granddad, he's my mom's father, uh, he's in heaven, but I, I can remember him telling me uh, stories that, though, like a long time ago, like this is like back in the 20s. Uh, they may still have done this even later than that or earlier than that or later than that. But if you were left-handed, they made you fix it and write right-handed. Like he would get slapped on his hand with a ruler if he was caught right left-handed. Isn't that crazy? And so... And so this idea that he was left-handed, so if he were to come in, think of it this way. God has this way throughout the whole Bible of always using kind of these weird oddities that we might overlook or we might miss, but God will say, I'm going to use that for my glory. And so God does that. God takes this left-handed kid, really, maybe 14, 15 years old, he takes this left-handed kid because when the guards would search him, no one would think to look on his right thigh. Because everyone that drew a sword would draw it from their left thigh. Warriors were trained to fight right-handed, to hold their shield with their left. So when they possibly searched him, they would never thought to search on his right thigh because no dagger would be there. And so God uses this left-handed kid for eight, to save Israel and to give them peace for 80 years. Everyone say 80 years. And then after that comes this other judge, this other leader, possibly a young guy in his 20s, and his name is Shamgar. I won't say Shamgar. And all we know about Shamgar is like literally like one or two scriptures, and it just says that after that came this guy named Shamgar, and he used an ox goad. If you don't know what ox goad is, it was something they would literally put on oxen and a a sharp end on one end and a blunt end on the other, and they would use it to prod the animals, to push them in the right direction, to help wield these big animals two to three inches thick and, and sometimes five to ten feet long. And with that, this guy killed thousands of people, thousands of bad dudes with an ox goad. I say all that to say this, that God is wanting to use literally what is in your hands at this moment. We come to God and we enlist in his service into the kingdom of God. We become Christ's followers. And we say things like this. When I'm good enough, I'll serve you. When I've got everything together, I'll volunteer in the church. But aren't we glad we have stories like this that God used left-handed people or he used an ox goad. And if God can use an ox goad, he can use you. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking about you. You may be the ox goat. I don't know. And so God is looking at you, and he's saying, use what you have. Use what you have. We're going to play this video. It's a YouTube video. It's happened a couple of years ago. You may have seen this on YouTube. Um, this will help us answer the question, what would you do?
pretty cool story, huh? I didn't think. I just did it. So for all the teenagers in the house, don't use it all the time. <laughs> Say, Pastor Matt said, don't think, just do it. That can only be used in certain contexts. <laughs> but I wanted to use that today to say this, that I think we think ourselves out of a lot of good stuff sometimes, out of a lot of heroic stuff sometimes. I think sitting in this room scattered among all of us are heroes. You may be sitting next to one. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things every day. To the single parent in here, man, you're a hero. Doing it alone, carving it out alone, plowing the ground out alone. Listen, I can barely do what I do with an awesome wife. I can't even imagine trying to do this by myself. Amen? Just being serious. We have heroes, all of us, our military men and women that serve our, our armed forces, that serve all across this place in, our, in Iraq and Afghanistan and Kuwait and go to crazy wild places that you and I, we look at little 30-second clips on the news and we're like, oh, that's bad, but they're over there like real bullets flying by them, liberating and freeing people and doing these things. My grandpa, who's a World War II veteran who, who went to France and fought in Germany and helped liberate Germany and helped liberate France and what we call one of the greatest generations in the world, just just 19 years old, got on a bus and, and actually put him on a train to New York and from New York, I gave him a pack of cigarettes, a backpack and a helmet and a gun and they put him on a ship to France. For two weeks he was on the ship. Heroes all around us to do extraordinary things. And I think God is looking at his church today and he's saying, but, but what are you going to do? What, what are you going to do? Shamgar, all he had was an ox goat, but he did something with it. Right? He, he actually did something with it. You and I have resources. Our, our phones, we can touch the world. We can encourage someone or we can defeat someone. We can literally with our phones and our devices reach out and touch thousands and thousands of people. But we're so selfish and so motivated by selfish ambition. And so if, it, if it's not good for me, I, I'm not going to do it. Seriously, give God a praise. That's a good place. What, not what would Jesus do today. We, we know what Jesus would do. I'm asking you, what would you do? What are you going to do? Like, like God has given us the gospel. What, what are we actually going to do with that? I mean, we take this idea of freedom into our workplace. Every day we sit beside people who are dying and on their way to a godless eternity, and we keep our mouths shut, and we're going to watch them perish without Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. We have the gospel. We have the liberating fact that Jesus died for us. Amen. The one true God. Amen. The only son of God. Amen. Jesus Christ died for us. He died for our sins and redeemed us. And, and, and like Shamgar, like Ehud, I think God is just looking down at us as ordinary people and saying, if you'll just give me what you got, you can do some crazy stuff with it. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, that's good. So what are we going to do? I, I would say we got to start where we are. Number two, I would say that we have to use what we have. David did that. Many of us are familiar with the story of David. David's father, Jesse, said, go check on your brothers in the battlefield. David takes some bread and cheese. He goes there, and he finds Goliath and his brothers. He had five stones. He had his brothers there with him, and he was cur they were cursing God, and they were making fun of Israel's army, and David's like, We've got all these warriors standing around. Why is somebody fighting this guy? I think a legitimate question, right? 
And so he said, right, somebody can do something with it. David says, well, I just happen to have a sling with me. That, by the way, when I was out guarding sheep, when no one else is around, guess what I did every day? I'd pick up a rock, and I'd practice. I'd pick up a rock, and I'd practice. And I'd pick up a rock, and I'd practice. And at some point along the way, when David was by himself in these fields, he got so good at that that God sent him to the battlefield. He says, man, what you were doing day in and day out, you had no idea I was preparing you for greatness. Can I tell you, that's why the word tells us do not be weary in doing good. Amen. Because some of you give God a praise. Yeah, because some of you. You're chipping away day after day, and you're saying to yourself, this is meaningless, this is pointless, there's no purpose to it. But I'm telling you, just like David, God has you practicing because there's someday he's going to call you up to the major leagues. And what you were doing day in and day out, God's going to put you on a stage where you're going to glorify him. Use what you have. Start where you are, amen? Use what you have. Start where you are. Number three, do what you can. Moses had a staff and a stuttering problem. And and so when God calls Moses his burning bush, Moses says, who am I? I can't even speak right. I can't even talk right. I'm not very eloquent. What do I even have? And God says, these are my words. Hey, dummy, look in your hand. But he says, look in your hand. Ah. And there was a staff in his hand. And God tells him to throw down a staff, and it becomes a snake, and then he picks it back up, and it becomes a staff again. And he would actually do that later again one other time. But he says, look what's in your hand. Start where you are. Do something. Look at your neighbor and say, start where you are. Look at your neighbor and say, do something. Somebody shout, use what you have. Amen. Let's stand to our feet all across this place. I pray that this is settled well in your heart and in your spirit. As we get ready to celebrate July the 4th and this amazing weekend and we get to pop fireworks and eat hot dogs and hamburgers and everything that we're going to do, we're going to celebrate our freedom. I would encourage you, let's not forget what this is about. Amen. Like, this is not just about this. Let's remember those who are serving in other parts of the planet right now that are not with their families, that... I pray they have some awesome fireworks. They just might. You never know. <laughs> With big shells and mortars. I, you know, I'm just saying. But, but the heart of this is, and I hope, I hope it settles in your heart, that what you have right now, God wants to use. He just does. Every teenager in here, I'm telling you, you've got something right now that God can use. You just got to make it available to him. You just say, God, here it is. Dad and moms, you've got something. There it is. Just give it to him. God, use it for your glory. Make it awesome. Amen? I'm going to ask our prayer partners, those that uh, will join me at the front, and, and uh, our staff, our elders, are going to be on the sides of our, of our auditorium to pray with you. Holly and I will be up at the front to pray. If you're guests for the first time today, we close every time that we're together this way, and uh, we want to pray with you. We want to come in agreement with you. Uh, before we give you a formal dismissal, Megan's going to lead us one more time through. After that, you can consider yourselves dismissed. Uh, It's been great to worship with you today. Have a safe weekend. Be safe. Be cautious. But on my right, 
on my left, on your right, your left, there's people all over. These are elders. These are staff. These are prayer partners. Uh, Holly and I and my father, we're up front. We want to pray with you. So if you're here today, seriously, and you want to stand in for someone, or maybe you're sick in your body, or, or something's going on, and you want someone to pray with you, come in agreement with you, please, dear, as we sing, move in this moment, and uh, we look forward to worshiping with you on Wednesday night. Love you. Be blessed.